on our lives. Why? Because if we don't put fences, we will violate what God has asked us to do. So don't be ashamed or afraid to say, I really want to walk worthy of the calling with which I was called. So yes, even though for me sinning starts here, I'm going to put a fence out here. You know what? Because a little margin is healthy for everybody. Put those fences up. You know why? Because if we don't put fences up, sin's at the door for all of us. Put a fence up. That doesn't sound like positive advice, but as we'll hear today, that's exactly what we should do if we want to walk right with the Lord. Pastor Daniel will explain why Moses had to tell the people to stay off the mountain and reminded them to be obedient. We don't want to listen to rules, but God's desire is for us to be protected. Find out how to keep yourself on that path, working with God instead of against Him to do what you need to do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Preparations for Sinai. Do you really believe that? That God has made you a priest for his kingdom? Simply by his spirit. That is who you are. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, if that's who you are, then walk in it. Then walk in it. Just embrace who you are, who God has made you to be. I think of Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Brothers and sisters, just walk in it. You are a priest. I was so pumped. One of the guys in our fellowship sent me a text this week. He's like, man, just pray for me. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to talk to a guy who really needs the Lord. I'm like, man, right on. He realized this guy is going to meet. This guy might need the Lord. We're going to, we're going to try and talk to him. I think about Pastor Gary Dicklitz. He drives some people around for his job. Everyone who gets in, he's like, man, it's like, I'm just fishing. I'm fishing in a barrel. He just throws things out there. See what happens. That's just two people in this room. Imagine if all of us grabbed hold of the priesthood God has given us. Could you imagine what God could do? Think about it. Think about it. Because that's who you are. And we can fight against that or we can say, okay, Lord, if you did that in my life, if you've made me that way, okay, I'll walk in it. That's who you are, brothers and sisters. And not only a kingdom of priests, but a holy nation. And that word holy, it means other, it distinct. It has at its root the mean that we are set apart. My favorite example, I've used it before, is your fine china, if you have that kind of stuff. Your fine china is not used as everyday tableware, right? You only bust that out on certain occasions and when you want to make sure that you spend a lot of time cleaning it after you're done. <laughs> Why? Because it's set apart. You don't use your fine china for your five-year-old's birthday party. Right? You don't do that. It's only those very special, if you have that kind of stuff. But let's say, like, I don't have fine china. You know, we all have something in our closet that we only break out at certain times, right? 
Like, it's funny, I have shirts in my closet which are Sunday morning shirts. Like, I don't just wear them to go work in the yard. I don't go wear them to play tackle football with Obadiah. They're just for Sunday church, so I look semi-presentable. Those shirts are set apart for something specific. Brothers and sisters, so are we. We're not only a kingdom of priests, but we're a holy nation. You have been set apart by Jesus. Called to a higher purpose. And the issue for us is oftentimes we just want to be the Sunday church shirt, but we actually just want to wear it in the yard. And that's how we think about ourselves. We don't think about ourselves as who we are. We're willing to be used for far less. And that's why I think it's so easy as believers to walk in rebellion against God because we forget that we have been set apart by God, for God. And we allow ourselves to be involved in things that he's like, no, no, I set you apart from that. I don't want that for you. And you're like, oh, yeah. And sometimes we fight against it because we're so used to being the paper plates used at a fifth grader's party that we fail to realize that we are fine china. And we'll accept less for ourselves. But again, this isn't something you're becoming. This is who you already are. And that's the thing that blows me away about this verse. We're not saying, God, make me this. The Bible actually says, because of Jesus, this is who we are already. And it's just a matter, are we walking in that reality? Or are we willing to believe a lie about ourselves? That is who God has made us to be. Notice in verse 7, good old Moses, simply obedient. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Wow. Moses simply told them. The people said, yep, we're in. No problem. And Moses brought the word back. Now in verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Verse 10, then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Now, this is all about consecration. I get that right from one of those verses there. God, before he's going to reveal himself to the people, says, I want you to be consecrated. I want you to be set apart. And God gives a series of stipulations on how he wants them to be set apart. First, he wants them to be consecrated for two days, and God's going to reveal himself to them on the third day. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to realize that Jesus rose again on which day? The third day. So you can make however kind of cool spiritual application you want to it. It's just not by chance. So there's two days of consecration for him. Notice, 
wash their clothes. So what this means for you and I is take a shower, brother and sister, please. It doesn't really, well, I mean, it means it in the context. I'm being facetious, but it was a symbolic action. It was a symbolic action. And the Bible teaches in the New Testament how we should put off the old man and put on the new man, which in the Greek implies take off the soiled garments and put on new garments. And so the idea is, as part of the consecration is, is a cleansing. And there's so much of that culture and also in the New Testament where cleansing was just a part of the culture, the idea of baptism. It was used very commonly in uh, Near Eastern cultures and in Jewish culture, where when somebody was declared impure, before they went back and worshipped, they entered what they would call a mikvah, which is a, a cleansing bath. And so when they were on that process of being unclean to when they were cleansed, they would bathe themselves as a, as a symbol of being cleansed. And so it's the same thing here. He's like, look, I want you to be cleansed so that you can receive from me. And brothers and sisters, we need to be cleansed. If you're in here today and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you are uncleansed. And all you need to do, all you need to do to be cleansed is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And though our sins were as scarlet, the Bible says, you will be made white as snow. And that is a free gift from God for who would ever believe it. It'd be like if you go and someone gives you a free coupon to get your car washed. The people who go through that get a clean car. The people who don't, your car is dirty. That's exactly the gospel. That God says, I want you to be cleansed, but you have to show up and say, please. And if you do, you will be cleansed. But that's all it takes. The cleansing that God wants for us comes in the finished work of Jesus. People for thousands of years have placed their faith and trust in that because that is the only way to be cleansed. Because your other option is you either let God cleanse you or you come up with some cockamamie plan to cleanse yourself. And if you think you're doing a good job, ask those closest to you how cleansed you are. And don't get mad at them if they're honest with the answers. Because that's the only option. You either receive the cleansing that God offers to you in Christ, or you come up with some other system of self-cleansing. And there's a myriad of them in the world. But only one truly cleanses. And that's the one, because God knows what cleanliness really is. You can choose to try and do it another way, but cleansing will not come. Because only God can cleanse us. But there is this cleansing. Not only that... In verse 11, for on the third day, the Lord will come down upon the mountain of Sinai in the sight of the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourselves. that you not go up to the mountain to touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. And he goes on to say that they wanted a fence around the mountain. And anyone who touched the base of the mountain was, was to be killed. Now, you might say to yourself, that is nuts. And you know what I say? You're right. It is kind of nuts. But why is it in there? Because God's fencing on our lives does not have to make sense for us for it to be true. God knows what he wants. God knows what he wants. And because God knows what he wants, 
and he knows what will happen if we don't obey, God can set the fences. And I think what's interesting is we live in a day and age where God has set fences in places where our culture doesn't set them. And people say, I don't understand why Christians believe this stuff. Like things like sexual purity. We live in a sexually very liberal culture. It's everywhere, right? And the culture says, this is what sexuality is. And then the Bible says, well, actually, this is God's design for sexuality. And people say all the time, oh, Christianity, it's archaic. It's socially regressive. I'm like, you're saying that being pure is socially regressive. Look at the culture that we live in. Is this really very healthy? I mean, is it really? Is this some sort of awakened way to be sexual? I mean, look at what our culture looks like. But our culture does not agree with the fences that God asks for us to put on our lives. And each one of us every day has to make a decision of the will. Am I going to follow God or am I going to go another way? But brothers and sisters, we need to put fences on our lives. Why? Because if we don't put fences, we will violate what God has asked us to do. So don't be ashamed or afraid to say, I really want to walk worthy of the calling with which I was called. So yes, even though for me sinning starts here, I'm going to put a fence out here. You know what? Because a little margin is healthy for everybody. Put those fences up. You know why? Because if we don't put fences up, sin's at the door for all of us. All of us. It comes so naturally. I mean, that's what our Bible teaches us. But God, he's going to speak to Moses on the mountaintop. He doesn't even want the people on the mountain. He's like, if you go on the mountain, you're going to die. You're going to die. So brothers and sisters, put those fences up. Be self-reflective about what you struggle with. We all struggle with similar things. A lot of us have unique struggles. Make sure you're reflective enough to put a fence around yourself. It doesn't matter what your struggle is. It's just a matter that you understand what they are and you navigate them. Anybody who's been walking with the Lord any bit of time will tell you that struggles never cease when you're walking with the Lord. You just become more aware of how much you struggle. So it's not about looking down your nose because just because someone struggles with something you don't struggle with, you think that's a really bad sin. The Bible teaches that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And so for one person, they struggle with same-sex attraction. And for another person, they struggle with heterosexual immorality. Both of them are still struggling with their sexual identity, wanting to honor God. One is not better or worse than the other. They both just need Jesus. Well, some of us in here, you struggle smoking cigarettes, right? And other you, you would never touch a cigarette. You never touch it in your life, but yet you judge everybody else. Guess what? You both just need Jesus. And there's no looking down our noses at each other because we're all exactly the same. We're all created by God for God's glory. We do a great job of messing it up. And God wants to save all of us, no matter where we are. So there's no judgment. Look around the room. Look around. Just look around. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a sinner. Go ahead, say it to him. You're a sinner. Now look at him again and say, and so am I. Yeah. We all need Jesus, brothers and sisters. We all need Jesus. We're all the same. We're all exactly the same. And God loves all of us. But put the fences around whatever your garbage is. Wherever that line is where you get in trouble, go 20 feet and then put the fence. You don't go anywhere near the line. Because 
Let's be honest, with our sins, we like getting close to the line, don't we? It's part of the perversity of our fallenness. If we know that this is the line, we're like, hmm? We all do that, right? And then at some point, we go over there and we break our leg. Put a fence over here. Even if you want to play with it, you can't even get there. It's a righteous battle, but God's kids fight it. Put that fence there. Put it there. Look what it says in verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Verse 21, and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perished. Or and many of them perished. Also, the, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people can, cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Verse 24, then the Lord said to him, away, get down, then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people, and spoke to them. Now, when God shows up, he shows up with cataclysmic stuff. Thunderings, lightnings, smoke. This is not a very neat picture. Often when God shows up, God makes a good, healthy mess. His presence often is felt very strongly. But it's amazing. There's all, I mean, try and imagine yourself. You're there. All your peeps are there. And all of a sudden, you're consecrated yourself. It also says that don't go near your wives. So even consecrate from what you were allowed to be involved in. If you're a married couple, just abstain from all that stuff and wait on the Lord. And on the third day, shows up. All this stuff is going on. There's a sound of a trumpet. It's getting louder. The people are there. Moses goes on up. And the Lord says, go back down and tell the people not to come near. And Moses is like, look, Lord, They won't. I already told them to. He said, go down anyway. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the Lord's advice to Moses, and I'm going to tell you again. Put the fence up, and don't go over it. It's amazing. Moses is like, Lord, I already told them not to. And the Lord's like, go down again, and tell them again. So brothers and sisters, remember we talked about the fence? Put the fence up, and don't violate the fence. See, what Moses didn't realize, but God knows, is that Moses, like, I already told them they know better. And God's like, no, they need to hear it again. Because we need to hear it again, don't we? Maybe that's the biggest takeaway for all of us. We just need to simply write down, put the fence up. Whatever your thing is, put the fence up. God wanted Moses to reiterate that they're not allowed to come and touch the mountain. God put a boundary up. And God wanted him to reiterate it again. 
again. It's interesting. It's interesting because in verse 24 and earlier, he says, and don't let the priests come either. You see that? Even the men who were supposed to be the spiritual leaders, the priests, even they had to be reminded again. So brothers and sisters, be reminded today. Our default is to not listen. All of us like little kids, right? You know the rules and you just don't want to follow them. You know what God wants, but you don't want to follow it. We're all that way. I mean, I mean, is it, I don't even want to ask because some of you can be like, I'm not like that. But we're all like that. So let's ask God, Lord, where are the fences? And remind yourself every day. I think of Jonathan Edwards, the great American, maybe the, the brightest American mind in history, you know? Most of you if, you, if you were in high school, lit class, you read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, you know, which is like, you know, his most well-known message. But this guy was just brilliant. I mean, just a, a phenomenal mind, you know? And Jonathan Edwards, when he was 18, and then again when he was 20, he wrote a series of resolutions. And like, he's not writing like an 18-year-old from today. I mean, probably the, the wisest person in this room would think that Jonathan Edwards far exceeded him in brilliance at the age of 18. You go, go look him up online. I mean, it's just amazing. His, these are the things I've resolved for my life. And one of his resolutions was to read his resolutions every single day. Why? To forever keep before his eyes what he knew he needed to do. What he knew he needed to do. And so as we are prepared to hear the Ten Commandments that will start, we'll start next week in chapter 20. I want you to write down whatever those areas that need offense are and write a reminder next to it to keep reminding yourself every day. That's what God did for the children of Israel. Moses told them, don't go on the mountain. And then God said, no, go down and tell them again, don't go on the mountain, even the spiritual leaders. Let's not take this part of God's word lightly because I've been around church and God's people long enough, and you've been alive long enough to realize that oftentimes our biggest mistake is to forget what we already know. We start doing what God has already asked us not to do. Like a dog, we have a tendency to return to our own vomit, as it says in the Bible. God has convicted us, we've made changes, and all it takes is a few bad days, and we're right back where we started. Isn't this the truth? So put the fence down and find ways to remind yourself. I mean, you can put it on your calendar every single day. If you use a digital calendar, it'll pop up every morning. This is where my fence belongs. And I believe we'd be better off if we found ways to continually remind ourselves of what God has asked of us. Because it's so easy to do whatever we want to do. So I thought it was just a, a fascinating. Like, I remember reading this the first time. Like, wow, what a strange thing. He already told them. I was like, Lord, I don't need to tell them again. I was like, go away. Go down and do it. Remind them again. So brothers and sisters, learning from Moses and the Lord, I just want to remind you again, put the fence up and remind yourself where the fence is. Jesus is I'm sure many of you who are listening today are both amazed and frustrated by the current political landscape. I always laugh at those t-shirts that people wear that tell you to vote for some alternative pop icon, 
So whether you're thinking about voting for Pedro or Eddie Vedder or anybody else, I had my team here at Crossroads create us some awesome t-shirts that communicate the real message of this voting season. We need to always remember that Jesus is in control and we can always count on him. So this month, we're offering a fun t-shirt for Jesus' Real Radio listeners that will really make a statement. It's pretty simple. It says, vote for Jesus. And when you join us by partnering with Jesus' Real Radio this month, everyone you pass by on the sidewalk will see your vote for Jesus t-shirt and know who you stand for and what life is really about. It's not a political candidate or party. It's the creator of the universe who loves us and calls us by name. Here's Josh with more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Through the month of October, we're offering each listener who supports Jesus is Real Radio their very own Vote for Jesus t-shirt with a gift of $25 or more. Remember, this isn't just a t-shirt. You'll be accomplishing two things. First, you'll be communicating to everyone around you that Jesus is who is foremost in your mind in these politically turbulent times. Second, your gift helps support Jesus is Real Radio. Every little bit of support that we receive helps us to maintain the reach of Jesus is Real Radio and even expand. So again, if you're listening today and you'd like to get your hands on a really cool t-shirt and help support Jesus is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner and then the big blue button that says T-Shirt Offer. There you can give your donation of $25 or more to receive your Vote for Jesus t-shirt. Please remember to include the size of shirt that you'd like. We pray God's blessing upon you and join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real.